first of all, welcome uh, to all of you. Welcome to this Q&A session. My, uh, my name is Simone Kremers. Uh, I'm hosting this session together with my colleague Francine Horvorts. Um, the both of us, we work at Academic Transfer, which is the career platform for working in research in the Netherlands. Um, well, and our platform uh, is here to help you in exploring your career possibilities uh, as a researcher, both in and outside academia. Um, during this specific Q&A session, we will uh, focus on industry and we try to give you a better understanding of your research career opportunities in this sector. Um, we um, will organize upcoming editions, uh, upcoming sessions as well, with a focus on other sectors as well. So um, please keep an eye on our website. But today uh, we will question two researchers who uh, took a step outside academia uh, into industry uh, after their PhD. Uh, and they will share their experiences with you. So hopefully uh, this can give you further perspectives uh, on your career uh, research career opportunities. Oh well, um, as others are joining us at the very moment, welcome again to everyone. Before I go to our two guests for today, first let me share some uh, instructions with you as our participants, all right? Um, first of all, please keep your microphone muted at any time, uh, just to avoid any chaos. But on the other hand, feel free to uh, to keep on your camera, uh, which is also nice for our for our guests because I can imagine to see who they are talking to. Um, during the registration process, uh, you are able to submit a question uh, to for our guests. Uh, we cannot discuss any. Uh, questions about personal situations or specific disciplines, but we do try to address most of the questions you uh, you submitted. And if you have any other questions, uh, please use the chat function. Uh, Francine will keep an eye on the chat. Uh, and if it is a question to one of our guests in particular, then please specify it together with your question. Uh, but once again, we cannot discuss any um personal situations or specific research areas um, as this should be something you uh, could address to a, uh, for example, career officer. Um, all right, um, let's continue then. Um, among our participants, uh, we have quite some PhD holders, uh, PhD candidates as well, uh, also master students, research master students, uh, postdocs, lecturers, some people who are uh, in between jobs at the very moment. But in all cases, it is really great to have you here. Um, and to start with a quick question to you all, um, we are very curious. Could you please tell us from where you are joining us? And uh, please let us know in the chats from where are you joining us at the very moment? I see the first answer is The Hague in the Netherlands, Wageningen and Utrecht, Stockholm, Norway, Trondheim indeed, Leiden, Hamburg, at my mom's place, somebody's telling in, it's in Amsterdam, <laughs> welcome as well, Den Bosch, a lot of cities in the Netherlands, but also some international participants, Heidelberg, Great, great to have you here, guys. 
Thanks for sharing it. And um, then I think it's now time to welcome our guests. Uh, first of all, uh, welcome to Arjun Vadavan, if I pronounce that correctly. I'm very sorry if I don't. Um, Arjun holds uh, a master's degree in applied geology at the Indian Institute of Technology, Karakpur in India. Uh, and he holds a PhD degree in computational science at the University of Amsterdam. About his uh, current position, uh, Arjun works as a project lead at uh, ASML, ASML, as we say in the Netherlands, uh, Europe's biggest tech company, of course, global innovation leader in the semiconductor industry. And besides his work um, as a project lead, Arjun often helps people with career guidance, for example, based on his uh, very own experience during his uh, own PhD trajectory. In his personal story on our website, Arjun tells that already from the start of his PhD, he had the ambition to transition to industry. And we are, of course, very curious uh, about this. But be before I give the floor to you, Arjun, um, let me also introduce our other guest. Uh, and that would be Heron Avers. Welcome to you as well, Heron. Um, Heron holds a master's degree in innovation sciences at, uh, at Utrecht University and a PhD degree in Innovation Studies at Aalborg University in Denmark. Uh, his PhD was part of a Marie Curie project uh, with top priority to realize impact within and outside academia. Uh, about his current position, uh, Heron is a senior consultant at Technopolis Group, uh, one of Europe's leading consultancies in science, technology and innovation policy conducting studies, offering strategic advice to uh, many um, organizations within the public sector. And in his personal story on our website, uh, Heron tells that already during his master, he wanted to pursue a career in which he could use his research skills um, to answer questions related to science and innovation topics. And I'll get back to you later on, uh, Herben. But to the both of you, Arjun and Karen, really great to have you here. Um, and to get to know uh, the both of you a bit more, um, Arjun, if I may start with you, all right? Um, with two questions, actually. Um, first, what kind of work do you do as a project lead at ASML? And uh, do your current research activities still relate um, to your PhD research? Sure. Um, yeah, well, thanks uh, and, and glad to be here. Um, I think so. What kind of work do I do as a project lead? Um, so I started with ASML two and a half years ago. Um, and I, when I started, I worked uh, almost as a data scientist where we had a lot of data and uh, trying to make, uh, trying to use physics based model to make sense of that data. Um, so I did that for two years um, and then I realized that uh, I, I can also go into a leadership position. So now I sort of lead a team of data scientists, uh, six data scientists in my team. Um, and we try to deliver projects which are sort of useful for ASML. Um, yeah, so that is what I do uh, in my current role. Um, and is my PhD skills applied here? Um, it's it's a mixed answer. So uh, I think my, my my PhD was also based on doing simulation works, where I also did a lot of data science. Uh, but in the sense that the, the kind of concepts uh, and the kind of uh, models and the kind of exact data that I use was completely different. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. But uh, science remains science, so the the, the kind of uh, fundamentals were were easily transferable. So that is, in terms of um, you know technical skills, there was uh, more easy to translate my coding skills, more easy to translate my data analysis skills, uh, storytelling skills, which is again very important. So mm-hmm. those skills I could translate, um, but also project management. So I think every PhD person or is is a project manager in itself. They they manage their own PhD by themselves. So I could also see myself learning a lot of uh, sort of deliverables and and, and kind of uh, communication style there. So yes, I can say that I could I could translate it uh, to a decent level. Yes, that's already great to hear, Ashwin. Thanks. And Herman, what about you? Um, as a consultant at Technopolis, um, what kind of work do you do? And could you also um, mention uh, whether your current activities indeed uh, relate to uh, your former research, PhD research topic? Yeah, yeah. As, as a consultant, you are, uh, yeah, we are always, as consultants, we are working for clients which have specific questions, like we are most times working for the uh, or, most cases working for the public sector so we are asked we are trying to answer their questions and often those questions are coming from parliament or some other actors in the in the public domain and as consultant in a project you can take various roles uh, especially if you have more experience you can take a more leading role as a project manager but uh, if you're just starting you're often more in a kind of executing role so then you are just uh, yeah just uh, doing uh, research and in my case uh, social science research so it will be running various surveys to to interviewing but it can also be less and more data science driven te- technologies like the use also like techniques like web scraping etc social network analysis to, mm-hmm. to provide insights to our clients so it's always about uh, thinking about how uh, particular research methodologies can uh, can help add tell you to, uh, to a particular client to help mm-hmm. them and uh, their business. Um, and I, I think I was, I think I was quite lucky when I moved to, to industry uh, about the amount of skills and knowledge I could utilize again, because mm-hmm. uh, my PhD was quite close to the topic my company was working on. And it's also, it was, I actually met uh, one of my uh, colleagues at a conference. So, that's that's how how everything has uh, started off. So, uh, so let's say the the topic of the company is quite close to uh, kind of my PhD topic, but it's also about uh, the skills I gained uh, during my uh, PhD. And then, it, I think the most valuable were actually my data science skills because mm-hmm. a lot mention. of companies are looking for them, and especially in the PhD, if you have been working for let's say three four years on a particular. Uh, developing particular skills, you are you you can be considered an expert, especially uh, to industry standards. So that's that really helped helped me a lot. But also in my particular case, I'm working a lot about science policy, so also advising universities and also the Ministry of Education and Science and Culture how how to develop their policies and having that kind of understanding of how the research or how universities work internally. That's what. That's every day still really useful to me. Still of help for you during your uh, daily activities. Yeah. Great. Um, 
during the um, registration, a lot of uh, participants uh, are wondering why you actually made the move from academia to industry. Um, and of course, how did you achieve your uh, how do you achieve your uh, current position? So, Arjun, if I may start again with you, could you tell us a bit more about uh, your your motivations to move from academia to industry, and then of sure. course how you achieved your uh, position? Yeah. So, um, as I think you also mentioned, it, I've written it down on your website. The the motivation for me was very clear, at least from the start, that I want to go into industry. Uh, and before my PhD, I also had a small experience of working in industry uh, as a data scientist. Um, the thing that I realized at that point was that uh, the scope was a bit uh, limited because uh, I realized I could not uh, I could not do very hardcore work uh, without a PhD, and that and 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 PhD sounded nice to do at that point of time. So I thought, okay, let's go for a PhD. I was lucky enough to get a fully sponsored uh, PhD. Um, from different angles, so that uh, helped me to go into PhD. Uh, but the goal was very clear from the very start that I want to go to um, industry. So mm -hmm. that actually sort of helped me um, in, in different ways. So I, 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 in my PhD lab and in my environment, I saw people really trying, um, let's say, very hard to to make a point of doing a PhD and pushing in for very extremely high journal publications and things like that. Um, I, 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 I consider I was not that, so I, I did, did it to the level where I can keep myself focused. That's what I want to achieve is not, uh, let's say, not to become a professor and not to paper, publish 10 papers in nature and science, to be very pragmatic of what I want to achieve. Uh, so that at least helped me to be focused. Um, the other thing was I already started uh, networking very early on in my PhD life because I come from India. That's where I, I was born. I live in Netherlands, so I didn't have any uh, sort of my social networks uh, in, in, in industry. So I started building that. So, I mean, going to events like this is one thing, like going to open day that Shell organizes, ASML organizes, uh, many banks, BCG, consulting companies, they all organize these open day for PhD. So I mm -hmm. almost used to sign up for them. I mean, if nothing at all, at least you get a free lunch and you get to meet nice people. So I would still just go there. Uh, so that was uh, one thing. Um, uh, and, and then in the end, I think what really helped me to get my current position was that um, I think in the in the end of at, at the fourth year, I really uh, sat down and saw what skills I have. Where do I want to see myself in the next five to ten years? Um, and being a bit more again pragmatic, that's at least that's how I see it. So it's not. I mean, I wanted to create an impact, use my knowledge, but also be very clear that okay, I I want to survive. I need money for that. I need to have a stability. I need to uh, secure certain things. So, I mean, really writing those things down on paper and then looking around what is available. Uh, that made me uh, really decide that, okay, I want to go for industry, I want to go for a job uh, where I can use a bit of my skills, but also has potential to grow. Um, and then from there on, again, I think my network sort of a bit helped uh, to get some referrals, and then uh, that helped me to get into this position. Great. So attending, uh, for example, several career events was really of help, and writing yeah. things down. Sometimes it's just as simply as that, yeah, really to, yeah. to, to get things straight for yourself. Indeed. Thanks. Um, Garen, if I may ask the same to you, why did you make uh, the move from academia to industry? And uh, furthermore, um, how did you achieve your current position at your current employer? Uh, 
Yeah, like during my PhD, I had never, or at least especially in the beginning years, I didn't really have a plan. So I, I, my PhD was my only plan, let's say, for, for that moment. And I didn't really have a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. But uh, in my PhD, like during my PhD, we were talking a lot about realizing impact, like realizing, and in our, in our domain, it's not like realizing policy impact, like publishing research and also trying to get policymakers to understand why they should change something so how they could better design innovation policies but yeah it is often quite hard to really get into touch with policy makes we organize a lot of events during our in the, as part of our phd projects and it was always yeah sometimes you had to, let's say a couple of conversations but you, ne- you never really had the feeling that it was going anywhere so that was kind of discouraging because getting citations is nice uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you in the end you want to change the world right you you want to, to change something for the good in the world so that's why i was during my piece also having this conversation also with all the people and then they, they said okay yeah you have this kind of business where you can advise governments on how they should design their innovation policy so that sounded quite appealing to me and then at some conferences i met some uh some co- uh, some current colleagues and also some current competitors actually so uh, i had a chat with them and they and they they all were also all coming let's say from kind of an academic background and they also really kind of had the same struggle as me they really want to uh, to achieve uh, impact uh-huh. and and so i was then quite uh, quite convinced that i want to go for such a career tra- trajectory and at that moment i was living in denmark and so I had to consider, okay, maybe staying in Denmark, but uh, there were not that many companies, let's say, kind of doing the kind of work I'm currently doing. So, and also speaking in my job, speaking in native language is an advantage because most, at least if you're working for the Dutch government, most uh, things are still done in Dutch. Mm-hmm. Although we're also working a lot for the European Commission, which which is more English, uh, more um, yeah, it was always in English. Mm-hmm. So I just looked around to the Netherlands. The, for those uh, which companies were active in the domain, and I just uh, sent them an open application because you can you can wait for uh, job openings, but then you are competing against other people. But if you think you have a good profile and you you are a good fit to the company, most companies nowadays are willing to have that chat if you just approach it. And yeah, maybe for ASML is different, but uh, at least uh, the companies uh, I'm talking at least in my sector are uh, were quite willing to talk with me and. Mm-hmm. I, and the two companies I approached, they both did me an offer. So, yeah, so that worked out quite uh, quite well. Yeah, so you also uh, had quite a proactive um, uh, approach then. The same as actually uh, Arjun uh, told us by attending career events, you send in uh, an open application at your employer. Yeah, yeah, I think that... Uh, at least for in my sector, so if you look uh, look for policy consulting, it, it's definitely the the way a way you can distinguish yourself from others. Mm-hmm. Because companies are always looking for people. So if you have a good profile, they they, they will not wait till the next hiring round because then you are going. Great, great to hear that. Um, just to make sure, um, if we if I haven't missed any questions in the chat, I believe I haven't. Right? No. So in that case, I'll continue with uh, uh, another question. Um, first of all, uh, again to uh, Arjun, if that's okay. Um, have you experienced any difficulties uh, or perhaps did you face any uncertainties um, 
while uh, switching from academia after your PhD to uh, a different sector. And was there anything um, that was uh, a helping hand, perhaps? Yeah. Um, I, yes, so I did face difficulties uh, in different parts of uh, realizing that I want to go from academics to uh, industry. Um, I think the first part is that, uh, again, as an expat, uh, I, I was in, uh, in, I'm in the Netherlands. Uh, there are certain companies, as, as you also mentioned, uh, Kevin, that uh, certain companies would like to work with people who speak uh, native language. Uh, I have lived here for five, six years, but I'm not uh, very confident in doing uh, conversations in it. So it was very clear that I would also not choose for these companies and those companies will also not choose for me. So that was one uh, sort of uh, realizing that there are a couple of things that I cannot do. Uh, and for, for me, that was essentially a lot of uh, consulting companies like McKenzie, BCG. I realized they're great companies, but they would never hire me above someone who can speak Dutch. Let's very clear. Mm -hmm. So that was one struggle. So that helped, you know, that also helped me a bit to to focus, narrow my focus, but also was a bit discouragement because I thought I could be a good person in their teams also. Um, the second one was the realization uh, that, you know, I have a PhD, but um, it's not that when I join a company, I would be placed already at a very senior position. Um, I mean, when you join industry, you realize that, uh, I mean, they consider your PhD valuable to uh, to whatever extent, but it's not that they are they will be blown out by it and they will suddenly put you to a leader or a manager or some senior role. Mm -hmm. You still are going to uh, start from, if not from the bottom, but at least uh, very close to the bottom. Uh, although you may have a faster growth later, but uh, you, you will have to make your way up. Um, so that was another realization. Uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe, uh, you know, doing a PhD uh, gave me a little bit of a setback. But now that mm -hmm. I look after two years in an industry, I think it has helped me to accelerate much more faster. Uh, mm -hmm. So at least at that time, it made me think a bit uh, uh, badly about it. Um, also, that, that, that also translates to financially. So I used to think that once I have a PhD, if I go to a company, they would come running to me and be like, well, amazing. I want to, you. I'll throw this much money at you. You do our solve all our problems. That was also not the case. Uh, so I think all those uh, ideas in mind became a bit more uh, realistic when I started talking to people who work in industry with the PhD. They, you know, they told me what salary grade they work at and, and how do they proceed and, and what are their colleagues doing and things like that. So mm -hmm. that were sort of some struggles for me um, to, to getting uh, realizing these things. But I think I have to say these struggles sort of made me uh, a bit more clear of what I want and where I would start. So that sort of helped me. And one last small suggestion is to others is also like the, the sooner you make this realization for yourself, the, the better it is. Mm -hmm. So it um, indeed can be necessary to first aim for more entry-level jobs, but that shouldn't uh, disencourage you and um, eventually you step into that elevator then. Great. Yes, exactly that, yeah. Herwin, mm -hmm. um, what about you? Did you indeed uh, experience uh, any difficulties, uh, just as Arjun uh, was telling us? Um, did you perhaps face uncertainties and um, what helped you? Yeah, in the end, you're always facing uncertainties, right, as an academic, because you're always striving uh, for the best. Uh, uh, but uh, 
Yeah, I think I had also a bit of a similar experience as Ari in some uh, to some extent, like that in some areas you just uh, have, let's say, a skill set which is really relevant and also really well developed, but in, in some other areas you are uh, still quite a newbie. So you you might not be indeed uh, you're not uh, directly uh, placed in a uh, quite senior position. So that's something you just need need to accept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to the other end, uh, I also recognize that you can learn way faster if you if you have a PhD. So you can make up for it later. But that's I think so sometimes it you need just need to need to accept it. And mm-hmm. it might be if you just start a new company that a uh, master graduate of uh, two, three years ago will be your manager. Mm-hmm. And that's something you just need to yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I found it I found it a bit uh, yeah. And sometimes, especially like if you know a method really well, and then you think and you you feel like you're the expert. But still, like if it comes down to project management or some of the other kind of inside knowledge of the business, yeah, you are just uh, just starting. So so that was always an uh, up uh, kind of it was just it was just a challenge in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And another thing uh, was that. Uh, like the pace in industry is just higher than in, in the academia. So we are not thinking about months, we are sometimes just thinking about weeks. And um, that's mm-hmm. just, it doesn't mean that we are workaholics because I think uh, work life balance is very, at least in my company, is very better than in academia or mm-hmm. at least in the in Dutch academia. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's kind of forces you sometimes to make kind of pragmatic choices. And with pragmatic choice, I don't mean that you just uh, publish lower quality studies, but it means that you make choices and like scoping choices in your study. So mm-hmm. if you if, if you just halfway your study find out, okay, I'm not going to able to realize or fully answer this question. Like normally in academic setting, you, you would just drop that paper and think, okay, I will not get it published or at least not published in a nice journal. So why spend time on it? But yeah, we just have our client and we promise to deliver something. So then at least we are going to answer all, all the questions and we just come up with a good reason for not uh, delivering in one particular area. Mm-hmm. That's, and that sometimes is a bit painful because as an academic, you have that curiosity, right, to know everything, know every nitty gritty, how everything is put together. But sometimes, yeah, if you want to get something done, sometimes you also should just make some kind of uh, accept that you can't be complete in everything you do. Mm-hmm. And that's uh yeah so that, that's something yeah but that's i think just a kind of the work mentality in the tree you just need to realize things so mm-hmm. and Karen, you already mentioned a bit about uh skills um well i can imagine in the case of your uh, both of your employers uh both asml and technopolis it wasn't well I can imagine they are used to working with phd holders but uh i can also imagine that this isn't the case for all um, employers, and um, if there, if you are facing an employer which isn't completely able to read or to value your academic resume, uh, do you have any word of advice um, for the participants, um, for example, regarding specific skills to mention, other um, CV or cover letter tips and tricks, perhaps? Yeah. yeah, maybe my first tip will be to never send your academic resume to to an employer because that will scare them away. Especially, like like if I'm also now involved in in hiring or at least uh, in the recruitment process, and 
if I see a resume of more than one page, if you have less than four, four, four or five years of experience, I'm really thinking, okay, you probably can't really write a concise report. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, but let's say if you, if, if you write your cover letter or your CV, you really should think about what your employer wants. And this sounds quite obvious, but really start, okay, what skills of me could be useful? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're applying for, an, uh, in, my, in, yeah, in my, my case, it was, I made clear that I had some data science skills and I want to develop it further. And I just made some remarks about that. And, that, and actually, that point really uh, piqued, uh, piqued the interest of uh, of my employer. I heard later because they were actually looking also to develop their data science team in the company. So mm-hmm. uh, these skills, and I think, yeah, la, 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 like recently, of course, uh, a, has becoming way more interest in working with or in data driven uh, approach to work. So um, that at least. Uh, skills you can highlight but it can also be on the qualitative end if you are if you're a kind of a social science researcher and you have more qualitative methods yeah just also feel free to highlight them uh-huh. but but the other hand you should also not be really highlighting like we also had some applicants that they highlighted a really specific method and was everything in the in in, in that in that application letter was about that method and that method is just yeah, it is somewhat related to our business, but not completely. So then I thought, okay, yeah, probably you are a bit off. We still uh, interviewed that person, but then... Uh, Trying yeah. to find so the balance, about, yeah. Yeah, really think about how your employee will read your letter. Yes. Arjun, I see you nodding quite a few times. Do you have anything to add? Mm, yeah, I actually have a bit of a uh, little bit of different opinion on this. So if mm-hmm. I may share... Sure. So again, uh, nothing is true. So it's just my opinion. But uh, what I have experienced and what I usually advise people is um, that the question that you asked is what if your employer is not aware of uh, a PhD? So forget about your PhD. If he doesn't know what PhD means and and what the whole structure is and you apply to a company where maybe they don't really value PhD or things like that, at Mm -hmm. least to that answer, uh, to answer that, my, uh, my take is that rather ignore it uh, it's very easy for me because um, i've seen I've, I've i know people who have joined these kind of companies where the the hiring committee the team doesn't really understand what a phd can bring in uh, and usually that's a struggle after six seven eight months you realize this is not a good fit so i mean if they don't understand your specific topic then i would say as uh, gavin uh, explained do that you know keep it uh, general try to highlight skills mm-hmm. but then there are certain companies which um which don't care about your phd at all right um so there i would be a bit uh, careful to think about going so the approach there is to actually talk to people who already work there and maybe have a quick chat with them online somewhere mm-hmm. just try to understand the structure try to understand what kind of i mean what do they really care about uh, because there, there's a high chance that you, uh, unless you really love the company and love the topic and love the field, um, you may find it a misfit. Yeah, and it could require a different approach then. Yeah, oh. all right. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I can also totally echo it. Like, one of my considerations was also looking just at the, at the website of my employer and see that they had already, let's say, five, six, seven PhDs among, yeah. the, mm-hmm. among their staff. That really was a signal to me that yes. they at least saw it as something. Yes. Of, value. 
of course, it's not as valuable maybe as industry experience, but it's at least... Uh, it's an indication, yeah. yeah. Um, if I'm correct, there are a few questions yes. in the chat, right? You have some questions and very nice ones, I think. Um, Huyen Lee asks, I hope I pronounce or yeah, say your name right. Um, he has a question that you have, if you have any career suggestions for people who are introverted, who like staying alone and quiet. Does this mean the academic path is more suitable for these people compared to working in the industry? Do you have an opinion or, or some tips about this? I Are think the question Aaron? is uh, for the both of you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can at least give a, a small take on my side. So I work in uh, SML and before this also I've worked in a tech company. I can assure you uh, there are more introvert and um, let's say nerdy people in my company than I've seen elsewhere. And these people are very successful, very high up in rank. Um, the skill is to deliver what is required. Um, uh, that's during the work. So I think during the interview process, I think the skill is to uh, make sure of your skills, try to do enough, uh, you know, try to sell yourself enough uh, to the recruiter and to the company and say what you can bring in. I think that uh, as an introvert also, it's not that, uh, I mean, alien to do, so that that can still be done. But while you're still here and you join a company like a tech company, um, I think there, I mean, there, there is amazing work that uh, people do. So it doesn't really matter. It's just that you should be able to sell your uh, your work or yourself uh, whenever required. And beyond that, yeah, I mean, it's it's you can really shine. I mean, there are tons of people in my my floor around me right now who are who I will call introvert, but they are way way smarter and way above uh, anyone, and and that's valued actually. Oh, great to hear. I think Rilin is probably very happy about this. Um, then Mohammed um, Yafadinya Azari uh, asked a question: Does doing a postdoc decrease your chances for uh, working in the industry even more, or do you think this is not necessarily the case? Uh, maybe Gerwin, you have an opinion about this? Um, yeah, of course, it, it's extra experience, but maybe uh, let's say extra. Uh, if you would replace the industry experience, it would maybe be more valuable. But I think it's mainly when you're applying for a job, it's also how you sell it, right? If 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 I if I read an application and I think okay, someone really tried to stay in academia, but now he kind of failed to to find a new position, and that's why he is applying at my company. Then it might work against you. But if you have a really good reason. And I think you should also just really explain when you are applying for a job with a, with a postdoc on your resume, why you did the postdoc and why at this moment of your career you want to join uh, to go for industry. But I think, yeah, especially like if you, I, I know quite some people are also in my, my circle of friends who, who, who did a postdoc and that really also helped to, to, to even develop some ideas they had in their PhD even further, and that gave them a good entry to a to a, to a next job. So it, it's all about how you sell the value of the postdoc and and also how you argue why you at this moment uh, it's the best to move to industry. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you don't, if you don't address it in your letter, they will start reading things into it that might not be there. Oh yeah. Point. Thank you very much. Um, another 
question we received um, uh, during the registration is uh, why does your current position fit you? Uh, or to put it in a more extreme way, do you actually miss academia, yes or no? Could you uh, tell us a bit more about that? You can go ahead, Kevin. Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, one of the most important things uh, I was looking for in a job was um, a position in which I can still apply my research skills. Because, yeah, in the end, uh, we, we did for a reason a PhD, right? Because we, at least we liked like doing research. So I could imagine I couldn't imagine uh, a job in the on the same topic without a kind of a research component in it, because that would just uh, make the uh, yeah wouldn't uh, keep me entertained for a, lo a long <laughs> time so that's i think uh, why it fits me and also like skills i just gained during my PC, uh, like analyzing data some programming skills some econometric skills but also like skills like writing like how do you strictly uh, in a structured fashion write a report of course, you need to then transform it also kind of to more to an industry setting because in academia you are talking to your peers in the academic sector and maybe in the industry you are writing maybe to 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 the management of your company or maybe you are writing to your clients. So then, of course, you need to have a different approach to it. But still, it's uh, it's still a really important skill which is not present in uh, in most master students when they leave university because they have only right versus master thesis. And this is yeah quite small if you compare to a, to a PhD thesis. And another thing I really like about my job is that you still have quite some freedom on what kind of projects you take up. Because some people think, okay, in in in, uh, in academia, you have a lot of freedom to, to, the, to decide, decide what, your, uh, what your research is about. And in industry, you are just, you have no, no freedom at all. And I think that's not, at least to my experience, that's not true. Mm -hmm. let's, say in the, let's say in our company, we just have kind of an internal market and uh, and all kinds of new interesting projects are uh, are kind of coming along. And when I say I'm interested in doing, in pursuing that project, I can just uh, jump on board and uh, build also your kind of your own profile within a company of all kind of uh, projects yeah, you like. So mm -hmm. that's... Uh, that's yeah. that's great to hear. And Arjun, are you experiencing are you experiencing the same freedom? Um, yeah, not not to that level. Um, I think in my work, uh, th there is a certain direction in which people work uh, towards, uh, which is to build these machines that ASML sells, uh, and we cannot deviate completely. Um, mm -hmm. So this is this was one point from my side. I think I, I slightly missed the open-ended freedom that I had in my PhD. So my PhD was specifically like uh, I had a year to work on a paper and, and, a, and the project and I was just just free to go anywhere, do computational research or from India, from Portugal. I could just fly anywhere and just work from there remotely. So I had all those freedoms. So I missed that part. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, I think I don't uh, miss anything from uh, my academics. I think I, I even get to write the uh, papers now uh, publish my work, um, do hardcore research as I, I could do. Mm -hmm. um, so indeed, I, I think apart from the, the little freedom part, um, which is also, I, I have to say, like sort of I feel it's in a good way that there's more structure. 
so apart from that, uh, there's nothing that I sort of miss from my academic life, from my PhD life. Happy to hear. Happy to hear. Um, I don't think there are any other questions in the chat, right? No. No. So um, in that case, um, as a final question to the both of you, um, do you perhaps have any additional tips for, for PhDs, postdocs, researchers in a more general uh, sense? Um, perhaps a, a final word of advice, uh, something that others can learn from your story? Karen, if I uh, may ask this uh, to you at first. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's something we already uh, discussed before, but it's also about really finding an employer that fits you, and also a job position that 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 fits you. And that sounds kind of uh, uh, like an open door or something, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. So if you are um, Let's say if you're a really introvert, you should probably not really aim for a project management role, even if you think that's kind of a step up or something. Uh, you should really look for also employees that kind of value the skills you have. And uh, sometimes an application or just a chat, having a chat, you can already figure that out or just looking at the website if they hired PhD before. And we also at our company sometimes... Uh, have just those people up approaching us uh, just through email and say, can we have a chat? I'm I'm kind of in my job orientation. Can I have a chat? How is it uh, to work at a particular company? And yeah, we often we always say yes. So it's um, yeah. So if you are wondering, okay, would this be an interesting company? And how is it to work for such a company? You can also just try it that way. Yeah, and don't hesitate to to ask for an informal chat or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Arjun, what about you? Yeah. Any final word of advice? Yeah, yeah, indeed. So I always tell uh, people uh, whenever they ask me, the first thing is, I think we discussed about it, is to uh, definitely make a LinkedIn account. If you don't have one after this whole session, just go and make an account. And if you have one, then start connecting to people. Um, connect to me, connect to Gerwin, get to connect to as many people. And... Um, I think my small advice is, um, I think be, be a bit shameless. Uh, I mean, just ask for help on LinkedIn from people, as Gavin explained, to reach out to people and just say to them, uh, I want to maybe move into industry and want to have an online coffee with you half an hour. The worst case, they will not reply. But the best case, you don't know what can happen. Like I, I've seen stories where it works charm, like it works for people to get investing to, to any level. So just cold message people and then just ask for help and you'll be amazed how much people are willing to help. Mm -hmm. um, one Another suggestion is, um, which I also wrote on your website is, um, if you have time, um, try building something outside of your PhD. Um, it's not only for your, uh, your, your job, but also for your life. I think you will uh, be amazed. Um, like maybe a YouTube channel or a blog somewhere or maybe writing things on LinkedIn about your PhD experience or things like that. that the kind of uh, environment that you will create out of that, that really helps. Um, and that will help you even when you go to industry or, or if you stay in academics. Um, yeah, and, and, and just be more pragmatic. Like just uh, think about real things that matter uh, and, and, and be, be a bit more selfish. Like uh, don't worry about what... Others uh, are doing or the peers are thinking, uh, 
yeah, for, for, for how I see things is usually, I think at some point you have to be selfish and think what you want and then the world will fall around it. So yeah, that's, that's my suggestion. That's a great suggestion. So not only uh, sometimes um, uh, looking at things uh, with another perspective, but also uh, or just go for it and step outside the, that comfort zone sometimes. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I don't know if there are any more questions. Ah, yes. yes actually, there's one uh, which I would like to uh, to ask you if you have the time, uh, and I hope you can say something about this. Uh, Mohammed Javadin Yaziri asks: um, In many industrial jobs, there are other software and even programming languages that um, he sees that uh, that are being needed in the job, such as SAP, Python, PMP. Um, it is somehow a big challenge for us. Do you have any advice on this issue in your uh, experience? And somebody else says, I have the same problem. Very useful question, Erica Sotlis. So it seems to be something uh, they would like to have some advice on. Yeah. Uh, the the easiest fix is to, to learn Python. And it's I think uh, maybe that's kind of a, a really easy answer. But it, like during your PhD, you also have time to, to, to acquire these new skills. And sometimes you just need to find kind of a hobby project that's inside your PSE or just an, uh, another thing and just try to, 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 to develop at least some of these skills. But in the end, I think even if you don't uh, tr try to learn Python, you can still kind of sell your coding skills as being relevant. Because if you are if you're fully uh, fluent in, let's say, R or uh, Java, at least uh, it will signal to an employer that you are interested in coding. Because if you want to become a good coder, you should at least have kind of this intrinsic motivation to get lost on Stack Overflow, et, et cetera. So if you, yeah. So I would always please mention and also, yeah, show that you are also willing to maybe to learn other languages or, although, yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult question. <laughs> I hope you can uh, work with this and, ha and do, yeah, use this as a good tip. Um, if there uh, aren't I any I other I don't questions. I was just checking, sorry. So, so I don't have any other questions coming in now. So. All right, no. all right. Then um, I think uh, that would be it. Um, first of all, thank you so much, Arjun and Garin, uh, for, for sharing your experiences uh, and your thoughts, of course, and... Uh, um, it I think it was really helpful uh, for uh, our participants. Um, really interesting to hear uh, also your final words of advice. Uh, thanks, of course, to all uh, participants as well. It was really great to uh, to have you here, and uh, we have, we've been able to uh, to give you a, a bit of a better understanding uh, about the possibilities, a bit of an insight. Um, uh, in your possibilities uh, outside academia, in this uh, case in industry. Uh, if you still have any unanswered questions left, uh, feel free to contact us at any time. Uh, and of course, stay tuned for further Q&A uh, editions um, and check out uh, academictransfer.com uh, because on our website we offer uh, plenty of career tools, career advice, you can read blogs etc. So um, thanks again to everyone. Thank you Arjun and Karen. Applause from uh, Academic Transfer. And um, Thank you very much. Take yes. care. Thank you. Yeah.